Welcome to the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency, helping you do more and be better. And now here's your host, Zachary Sexton. You are tuned into the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency. My name is Zachary Sexton, and today Mike Schmitz is on. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Zach. Mike is officially on board full-time with the Asian Efficiency team, and we're really excited to have him. So you're going to be hearing a lot more of him on the podcast, seeing a lot more of his epic blog posts about different technology or tools to make you more productive or take more action on your goals. And Mike is one of those early technological adopters. He uses technology to take more action on his goals. So it makes sense that he would be one of the early adopters of the Apple Watch. And we're going to take the next 20, 25 minutes to talk about how he's used the Apple Watch to increase his productivity, his health, and other areas. To start, Mike, can you tell us about the purchasing process? I know it's a, Apple usually has these big, exciting launches, and sometimes you have to wait for in lines for hours to get your phone or whatever device you're going to get. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. And actually, this one was kind of interesting because Apple didn't even have them in stores until not too long ago. So you had to order them online. Um, And really, my thought process, I guess, when I was first thinking about getting an Apple Watch, kind of go way back to the the beginning, was that uh, I wanted to get a fitness tracker. That was probably January, February. I decided that I was going to get a little bit more serious about tracking my fitness so I was looking at some of the options that were available. I looked at the uh, the Fitbit. Um, the Jawbone Up was basically the one that I, I really wanted, but it was about 200 bucks. And then literally like right after that, I saw the keynote that Apple gave about the watch and how fitness tracking was going to be so heavily emphasized in it. So I figured I'd just wait for that. Um, and then actually I was... Uh, in California already for a conference. So I was already on the West Coast time zone and I wouldn't normally be one of those guys who would stay up till three in the morning to place the order when it became available. But it just kind of happened that that was uh, that was possible for me since I was out there already anyway. So I just stayed up till midnight, uh, April 10th, and I ordered mine the night that they became uh, available. And I knew that there was going to be huge demand for them. So I actually set an alarm on my phone to uh, to be awake at five minutes to midnight, make sure that I had everything that I, I wanted um, squared away in order to complete the, the purchase. So I logged in at midnight exactly and picked up my watch, was about to order it, and I second-guessed it just for a, a second. And by the time that I decided that, yeah, I did actually want to go through and order this, I placed my order. I got the confirmation at 12.03 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. And in those three minutes after it went on sale, the delivery date estimate went from April 24th, which was when they were actually going to be delivered, to I think mine was May 25th, which is pretty crazy. Three seconds Um, equals a whole month of extra waiting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty ridiculous. Uh, but whatever, uh, the one that I got turned out to be the most popular one. So I guess maybe that contributed to the delays. I, I heard people ordered some of the, the non, the, some of the other combinations that weren't quite as popular. They were getting theirs still at the April 24th estimate the next morning. And 
Um, but I got the space gray aluminum one with the black sport band, the 42 millimeters. So it's the bigger watch. It's still the aluminum one though. Cause I just didn't want to spend a ton of money on this thing. I mean, it's still 400 bucks, so it's still a good chunk of change, but, um, didn't want to make a, a huge initial investment for something that really I'd never seen before, but so far I've been really happy with it. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that in a second here. Did you wear a watch before Apple watch or were you, do you wear bracelets or anything like that very often? Uh, yeah, I did actually. And I do still have a nice metal watch. It's a, to sew that my wife had given me for a birthday gift a couple of years ago. And I, I used to wear that almost every day. Um, the Apple watch is, is nice because, uh, I don't have to wear that super fancy watch that she got me every day, but I do like having a watch. I do wear a watch every day. I do like having the time on my wrist. So, um, the, the sport version that I got, I think that it is, it looks good. It's not super dressy. If I'm going to, you know, get really dressed up, I'll wear the, the other, the metal watch that I have. But, um, yeah, I've, I'm used to having something on my wrist all the time. So it never really bothered me. Yeah, that's a, a question I ask almost anybody who I see with an Apple Watch. I'm sure they get tired of all the questions that people ask when when you see somebody with an Apple Watch on. But I always ask them that because for me, that's the reason why I didn't really consider getting one right off the bat. I, I am really interested in the, the health tracking that we're going to talk about in a minute. But the reason I didn't get it is because... I'm not in the habit or of, of wearing a watch every day. And a lot of times, uh, you know, I might take it off because it feels a little weird or I'm, it, my wrist might sweat or um, I, I don't like it when I'm typing or whatnot. How's the, the comfort level compared to other watches that you have? It's actually really comfortable. Uh, I was a little worried about that, too. Um, in fact, my metal watch, I usually take it off when I sit down at my desk because I don't like the metal scratching up my, <laughs> my MacBook Pro. Um, the, the metal, the aluminum casing, uh, just the, the clacking from the metal on the metal just drives me nuts. So I always would take that off, but the, uh, the Apple watch is really comfortable. It's really light. And with the sport band on it, it does not hit or scratch on the, uh, the MacBook body at all. So I almost never, uh, take this one off. You really can, if it's going to, if you're going to, if it's going to function as a fitness tracker anyways, because you need to be measuring your, uh, your calories and your steps and, and all that type of stuff. So putting it on and off, really, that's not the the design. But um, the the mechanism that they have for how it how it attaches is a little bit different, but it's really I think pretty nice. Where um, have you seen the the sport band how it how it connects? Yeah, I have. But can you describe that? Sure. So basically, one part of the sport band has all these little holes in it. The other part of the band has a little metal pin that you push through the holes. So, um, you know, in reality, the one with the pin goes underneath and then the holes go on the top. You line up the hole kind of like a belt buckle, you know, you push it through. But what's unique about it is that the way they designed it, the rest of the strap past the hole that you push the pin through tucks underneath the rest of the Apple watch, which at first I thought would be really uncomfortable, but I don't really mind it at all. Nice. It just tucks in there. So let's talk about some of the, you wanted to do this originally for health. What are some things that you use it for? Your heartbeat, your resting heart rate, how much you walk? What What are some things that uh, it's been helpful for tracking? 
Well, the, the heart rate monitor that's built into it does a pretty decent job, uh, but I honestly don't even track that as closely as I probably should. <laughs> the big thing for me with the health and the fitness is seeing the three rings or the three circles that are part of the, uh, the interface. Um, I have those set up as one of my complications, which we'll get into in a little bit. But basically, every time I look at my watch, I see those circles. The middle one, or I'm sorry, the inner one, um, is the one that will tell you to, to get up uh, at least once an hour. So it makes sure that you stand at least once an hour. And Wow, obviously, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It, it's a little bit wonky because if you're working at a standing desk, for example, and you're not moving around, like it, it'll tell you to stand up when you're already standing up. <laughs> but for the most part, the average person... is some squats. <laughs> right. For the average person, though, it's a really great reminder because you just sit at your desk, you're engrossed in what you're doing, and it just reminds you to, to get up and walk around. And to fill that circle, you have to stand up at least once an hour for 12 hours out of the day. The middle ring is the exercise ring that basically measures an elevated heartbeat. And it's also tied to the, uh, the activities or the workout app where you say, you know, I'm going to go for a run and you just hit go. And then it's tracking, um, it's tracking your, your run, how far you run, stuff like that. Um, that one is the hardest one for me to fill up. And that's where it's made the biggest difference because I used to go to the gym a couple times a week, but not seeing that middle ring, be uh, fill up like the other two I had no problem with the outer one is the calories basically your movement goal you burn x number of calories in a day and you can set all of these goals obviously but I would meet my calorie mm-hmm. goal and I'd meet my standing goal no problem but my exercise goal it just drove me nuts when I would see that ring not be full <laughs> so what it's got me to do is adjust my routine where I actually now either go to the gym and lift or run I've gotten into running uh, a lot more lately every single day now I've done it. I, when I first got the watch end of May, beginning of June, wasn't that great. But towards the end of June, I uh, started hitting my stride. I actually made it all the way through the month of July, filling all three of those rings every single day. So that's that's been really cool. And I can see kind of the, the results of being more active and getting more exercise, you know, how that's, that's helped me feel better. And, and um, just the distance that I've been able to run, you know, uh, I don't go that far. I do it recreationally. I'm not going to run a marathon anytime soon, but you know, I've pretty much doubled the distance that I can run now. So that's, that's pretty sweet. There you go. And it's using two of two of the basic things that we talk about or that are just in productivity, the Seinfeld or don't break the chain method. So you manage to not break the chain for 30 days in a row, which gets you moving, gets your heart rate up. And then the sort of an iteration of the, the Pomodoro technique, which, you know, for every, 25 minutes, you get five minutes off, or an alternative is for every 50 minutes of work or focus concentration, you take 10 minutes off. So I feel like that hourly reminder will get you up and moving and, you know, away from your desk every hour, which is best for your body, really, but also best for your brain and and for your productivity. That's so cool. And then they also have these, they're, they're cheesy little reward type things. But if you were to make it like a perfect week, you hit your stand goal every day that week, they give you like this little reward that shows up on your watch. And it's like this little pin or a badge that you can spin around. Um, (laughs) But just those, those little, little things like that, the gamification of fitness, I guess would be the term to use. Like I, Uh I didn't realize how big an impact that would have on me. And maybe it's just because I'm so competitive and I feel like I always have to win, but it really does work, at least for me. 
And because you're doing this, moving around a little bit more and have these little goals that you want to fill up the circles, how has that felt for your, your mental or physical state? Do you feel a little bit more energetic now that you're, you're moving around a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, uh, going full time with, with age efficiency helps too, because I can get some work done in the morning. And then when I like hit a, hit a wall, I'll just go for a run and (laughs) kind of reset myself. So that's the kind of goes hand in hand, but yeah, it's, it's made a big difference. Nice. Yeah. That's one really nice thing from working from home is the afternoons when everybody hits that slump, we get to go and move our bodies and, and not try to just force our way through it a little bit, uh, in that foggy afternoon, maybe ate too much for lunch state. Well, neat. That's so, that's so cool to hear. And, and when, this is health. Let's talk a little bit about productivity. I've talked to a couple people, actually one of my coaching clients too, is at the end of the day, the thing, the, the haptic vibration or whatever that is called, uh, just starts buzzing like crazy. And, uh, I've heard that's an issue for, for some people for setting up reminders and, uh, and to do's on, on their iPhone or their, um, Apple watch. And it just kind of going a little crazy. So can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. And that was the biggest thing. Like I almost didn't buy it because the whole idea of notifications on your wrist anytime, like anywhere you are, kind of drove me nuts when I thought about it. But in reality, once I started using it, it's not that hard to tame those. But you do have to be be careful because what it does, it, it literally makes checking your notifications more efficient. So there's one of two things that's going to happen. Either you're going to check every single notification now because it's so simple or you're going to um, you're going to prune the the number of notifications that you actually get because you realize that it's constantly interrupting you and uh, stealing your focus and your attention. So that's what I did. That's what a lot of people that uh, like I read early reviews of the Apple Watch and things like that as they were coming out. Um, that's what everybody was sent was recommending that you do is like first thing you do, you have to make sure that you only get the notifications on your watch that you actually want. So for example, if you, uh, have a Facebook account, um, you can't actually do anything with Facebook on your Apple watch. And we'll get into that in a little bit later, but that's one of the things I like about it is the things that it can't do. It's focused on the things that it does do. It doesn't try to do everything. So is it worth it getting that Facebook notification on your wrist? Probably not. You can't do anything with that. It's all it's doing is just literally stealing your attention. So you need to make sure that you focus on only the things that you want or need to see. You want to only see what's essential. But once you do that, once you get it set up, it's awesome because you're the only one that knows when those notifications go off. The Taptic engine is actually silent. So it's different from like a, a pebble where you can actually hear it vibrate. Um, no one can hear your watch vibrate on your wrist, at least not in my experience. So if you're meeting somebody at a coffee shop, for example, and you're talking to them and you get a notification, like you don't have that annoying buzzing on your phone when they're like, oh, do you need to get that? And oh, no, it's just a whatever. You don't have to worry about it because the watch doesn't even light up until you raise it to your to your. Uh, uh, to your face, I guess, you know, just to look at it. Um, 
So it's just, it's sending you these notifications, but it's kind of up to you when you deal with those things. Uh, the ability also to clear all the notifications on the watch is awesome. So as you get a bunch of notifications that come in, if you don't clear every single one like you do on your iPhone, um, you can actually, with the force touch where you press uh, press and hold, basically, you press a little bit harder on the watch, there's a, an option that comes up where you can actually clear all of your notifications at once. And that they really need to bring over to the iPhone. If anybody from Apple is listening, you definitely have my vote for that feature. <laughs> but uh, that's the big thing regarding notifications. Yeah, that was something when I switched from Android. When I switched from Android to iPhone, I was I, I've got to clear all these. Oh man. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you were you were talking about so you get a notification, you can feel it. Could you just turn your wrist over and look at what that is? So it almost looks like you're looking at the time, but you're saying, oh, I've got to be somewhere in 20 minutes. Is that how it works? Yeah, you can do that. Um, if you don't look at it right away, what happens is there's a red dot at the top of the watch face, which is your indication that you have notifications. And then you swipe from the top of the watch face down and you get all your notifications, just like an iOS, except that if you know that you got a bunch of notifications while you were in a meeting and they're all relating to this project that maybe the meeting was even about... <laughs> You could just clear them all at once just by force touching on the screen. And then it says, you know, force, you know, you want to clear all the notifications. You click the, the X or whatever, and it, it clears them all. So it's much more efficient way of dealing with notifications, which is really important because, like I said, if all it was was another screen for your fire hose of notifications to appear on it, I, I wouldn't like it at all. It would it would drive me crazy. Should we talk about uh, glances also? It's a little bit different, but it's also related to the topic of productivity. Yeah. What are glances? Um, glances are basically small pieces of information that you can get from any of the apps that you have installed on your watch. And to access your glances, you swipe up from the bottom of the watch. So just as an example, some of the default glances, there's one for the music player where you can play, pause, skip ahead, skip back 30 seconds, um, control the volume like that's all on one glance and there's a, a lot of the apps that you can get for your apple watch include glances and you can choose which ones actually show up in the glances on the bottom of the screen the thing with the glances also though is that you have to be careful which ones you choose so i have a couple of them for the apps that i use the most um, like fantastical omnifocus um, workflow has a, a glance where you don't actually have to launch the app. You can just swipe up from the bottom of your watch. Then you can get to that information real quickly. If you wanted to launch a workflow or check off a task in OmniFocus, whatever, but it's not the full app and you don't want, there's no like menu there. So it's just a bunch of dots on the bottom of the screen, kind of like the pages that as you create, uh, as you install apps on your iPhone, you know, if you fill them up on one screen, it'll go to the next screen. Then you swipe to go between the different screens thing is with the glances, everything is full screen. So if you even have 10 glances, it takes a long time sometimes to swipe between all the different things that, that you have in your glances. So my, my little tip, I guess, from my experience with the Apple watch is that glances are great as long as you only pick a couple of them. And that's really key for everything on the Apple watch is like identify exactly what it can do and then use those things that are really going to benefit you. But don't try to make it do everything. Cause like I said before, one of the things I really like about it is that it doesn't do everything. It does a few things really well, 
So focus on doing those things. If you want, you know, to send email from your watch, there's probably like a Galaxy Gear or something that <laughs> would allow you to do that. But uh, it's not really the design of the Apple Watch. So um, uh, does that make sense? Yeah. So just limit what you try to do with it. Don't try to get every single notification. Don't try to get every single application that might happen to be on your phone onto the Apple Watch. What are some other notifications that you turned off from the get-go? And what are some ones that you let come to you? Uh, it's been a while, so I'm not even exactly sure. But basically, you can control notifications on a So you turn per- off Facebook. Yep. Um, and you can control the notifications on a per-app basis. So basically, there's a an Apple Watch app that you would launch on your phone. And that's how you control what gets installed on your watch, what notifications you get, things like that. There's all sorts of little toggles in there. But I basically have all of the social media stuff turned off because there's not much I can do with with those on my watch or not much that I want to do uh, with those on my watch. I have calendar events as notifications. I have text messages. I'm on the fence with that one, though. There is um, canned responses that you can use for text messages, which I've used occasionally. Um, and the other way you can do text messaging on the watch is through Siri, which actually seems to work a lot better on the watch than it does on the phone, at least in my experience, for some reason. Definitely not email. <laughs> um, calendar events, phone calls, text messages. Um, I think that's probably about it. I, I have I'll use Overcast to listen to podcasts, so I will still get those on my watch. Just let me know that there's a new episode that that's uh, available. But um, that's about it. Do you plug the headphones straight to your watch when you're listening to podcasts? No, or do you, you plug can. It your phone there's a and then control it through your watch. Yep. And actually, I've got Bluetooth uh, headphones, which I could pair with the Apple Watch, but the Apple Watch only has, I think, it's like a two gigabyte hard drive. So you can put some songs on there, or some podcasts through the music app. It doesn't. I don't think have a built-in podcast app though. So what Overcast does, the Overcast Watch app. What it does is it, it just basically acts as a controller for the iPhone app. So you can, like I said, play, pause, skip forward, skip back. And then in addition, what it does is it allows you to choose which episode is going to be played next, which is kind of nice. So if you're you know, listening to a, a podcast, it's playing from your phone, but you can control um, where you are in the episode, the volume, stuff like that, or what episode would come next. You can do that. From your watch you don't have to actually have your phone with you so for example Neat. one of the things that i do a lot is i I'll, when i come home now I'll, I'll put my phone in the in our room you know on it's uh, on the nightstand by my bed which is where i keep it and, and plug it in whatever um and then i won't carry it around with me you know while i'm home which is kind of nice actually and you have to charge it daily i take it Yes, you do need to, to charge it daily. Um, that was one of the, the points uh, I had at the the end there on, on what is what is missing. Um, it you do have to charge it, it daily, and because of that, you know, we can. I'm just going to go here now because because you, you brought it up. But one of the things that it doesn't do, which was kind of disappointing, was uh, sleep tracking. Because I was looking for something as a sleep tracker, and because you have to charge it every uh, charge your watch every night. Um, you can't wear it at night as a, a sleep tracker. My solution, uh, or it's still kind of, I'm still testing it, but 
I'm not super happy with this yet, but I bought this thing called the Sense. And the website is hello.is. I've got it in the, the show notes there if you want to take a look at it. And we'll, uh, we'll put it in the show notes for everybody else who might be interested in it. But it's this little white, um, it's like a ball type thing that you put on the nightstand by your bed. And then there's this uh, little sleep pill, they call it, which is which you attach to your, your pillow. And then there's a whole bunch of sensors in there which track the atmosphere to make sure that, you know, your your room is dark enough, it's quiet enough, whatever, for you to, to sleep well. And then there's microphones and things like that that will actually um, that will actually track how well you're sleeping. So you get like a sleep score at the end of every night. And then um, like some of the other apps like Sleep Cycle, which I know we've mentioned in other podcasts, it's designed to monitor when you're coming up out of your deep sleep so that you have like a half hour window where it's going to wake you up, but it's not going to wake you up out of that deep sleep and it's just jarring and you feel groggy the rest of the day. So this thing I think was like 129 bucks. I bought it actually when it was a Kickstarter a long time ago and it just showed up, which that's probably one of the reasons I'm not real happy with it. (laughs) Um, The app is okay. And it seems to do an okay job at at tracking um, tracking my sleep, but it's not super accurate. So, I'm, I'm, it supposedly it learns the more you uh, you use it, and the more like you adjust the, it'll tell you you know you woke up at at four thirty, and you actually woke up at five thirty. If you take the time to manually adjust those things, as you see the discrepancies, it gets better over time, but I haven't been able to verify that. I love the idea though, that this thing is totally separate. Um, and it's, it has that built in like smart alarm clock feature. So the no sleep tracking for the Apple watch really doesn't, doesn't bother me that much. All right. All right. Yeah. I think the, the idea of more and more just, biofeedback and getting more and more accurate with that, whether it be on a mobile device or just somewhere in your house. That's that's probably something that that's ah, just where we're gonna be in a few years and talking about putting your watch up to your your mouth and saying, hey Siri, do this. That's pretty futuristic. Another futuristic thing we have on our, our show notes right here is Apple Pay equals amazing. You want to talk about that? <laughs> sure. Um well Apple Pay Basically, I'd never used it before. I don't. I have an iPhone 5S, so it's the one before the NFC became available. So I've never had a chance to to really use it. But when I got my Apple Watch, I put my credit card in there, thinking that this would be cool to use someday. But I'll probably never actually use it because where I live, it's uh, middle of Wisconsin. There's about twenty thousand people in the town that we live in. It's not a metropolitan area by any means, and so. Even the chains that support Apple Pay in my area, generally, those are the last registers that <laughs> that would get updated for something like this. At least that was my thought. So um, I had the card in there one day and I was going through Subway, like a gas station Subway, because in Wisconsin, we have a lot of <laughs> gas stations with Subway restaurants in them for whatever reason. And I looked at the credit card. Uh, machine and saw that it had an Apple Pay logo and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna try this and it worked and it worked really, really well. The lady had like no idea what I was actually doing. She just recognized that, oh, you paid. Well, you're good then. And the whole process, like since then, I've used it a couple other times. The whole process takes like five seconds. Uh, literally, whoops. Literally, what you do 
is you double tap the uh, the home button on your watch, and then the, your a little picture of your card shows up, and that basically says hold the pay, and then you put that near the contactless payment register, and from my understanding, any terminal that has contactless payment has the ability to use Apple Pay, whether they have it turned on or not is kind of up to the the vendor. But there's a lot more people that can accept it than you might realize in the, the official list of, of uh, um, partners, for example. So uh, you just double tap the button on your watch, hold it up, and then it completes the transaction, uh, and then you're you're done basically. So it's it's really really super simple. Um, it's worked every time I've tried to use it. I've never had it failed, which is kind of kind of amazing to me. And uh, like I said, even here in the middle of of Wisconsin, where <laughs> we don't have you know an Apple store for I think it's something like 200 miles, um, I can I can use this you know just about any any subway, which is super cool. All right. That's, that's, I can't wait till that's just a thing. Everyone has it and we don't have to have these little magnetic, magnetic strips that have been around probably since the sixties or so. It's yeah, a little it's, archaic at the moment, but once, once we get there, that'll be neat. Yeah. I've heard other people talk about how they've been using you know, chip and pin, this type of thing in, uh, in the UK, for example, for, for years. And uh, the U.S., for whatever reason, is really behind in, in that area. But once you understand what's going on, it's, it's really, really secure also. So basically, the way chip and pin works for people who maybe aren't familiar with it is literally every time you run a transaction, it creates a new, unique number for that transaction. So even if someone were to steal my credit card number... Uh, during my transaction where I'm buying my sandwich for $5.25, you know, they're not going to be able to use that number ever again because it was authorized only for that one payment. And that's why I say Apple Pay is so amazing because it's so, so secure. Like this is this is the future, like you're saying. This is what we should be doing. It, it really bothers me now when I like go out to eat at a restaurant and you pay with a credit card and they take the the check and they they go somewhere where you can't see them and they're gone for like five minutes and you're just like, what are they doing with my credit card? You know, especially when it's something like Apple pay is available. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know. I did an exchange in Europe and that's all they had. They just chip and pin. And I was like, what is this thing? Now all of my cards do have the chip and pin capability, but I'd say one out of maybe even 20 places actually I use the chip and pin. The rest, I just swipe the magnetic strip because that's just the hardware that they, they have. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so more secure, more easy, more futuristic, more fun, more efficient. Let's, uh, let's wrap things up. You have, have a whole list of the best native apps and the best third party apps on the, on the Apple watch in your opinion. You want to we can run through that list. We'll also make sure the list gets put in, put in the show notes if you ever decide to to make the jump into an Apple Watch. You can know how to dive in right away, make it easy for you. So what are those best native apps, Mike? Okay. Uh, best native apps, the workout app I use every single day, so I'm putting that on the list. I've heard other people say that the workout app isn't really that great for a workout app because it doesn't have a real great variety of workouts. 
For example, if I'm going to go lift, there is no weightlifting activity. I have to use the other activity, but that doesn't really bother me. They have a lot of other stuff in there, cycling, running, elliptical, whatever. Um, so I, I, I think that's a pretty neat app, and it also allows you to track all of that activity too. So uh, the watch itself is actually really cool. It's a, You can choose a lot of different faces for the watch. So the one I have is called Utility, and you can choose the, the level of detail. So you can choose like you just want the 12, 3, 6, and 9 to show up. Maybe you don't want any numbers at all. I have it set so uh, all the numbers are showing. Um, you can change the, the colors, which is nice. Uh, and then, like I said, the complications. So you can choose which little bits of information you want to get in whatever corner. So I've got the rings, I've got the temperature, got my next calendar appointment, stuff like that. The reminders are pretty cool um, because you can set a reminder from the watch using Siri. And like I said, Siri actually seems to work a lot better for me on the watch than my phone. It seems to be a lot more accurate. I can't get Siri to understand me at all when using it on my phone, but it never seems to make a mistake on my watch. So whatever. <laughs> um, the Maps app is really cool. Yeah, I've, I've read that before in other reviews, so I don't think you're alone. Okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, the Maps app is really cool because I drive a lot. We don't have a lot of uh, public transportation where we are. So I drive almost every day. And if I'm driving somewhere that I don't know how to get to, I'll I'll use uh, Apple Maps now instead of Google Maps because getting the directions on my watch is so uh, so handy. It's so so easy. Basically, what it does is it will tap you there's two different patterns that it uses. One is like 11 taps all in a row and one is three sets of two taps. So it's like tap, 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 tap. And I think that one is to turn left and then the 11 straight taps is to turn right. But basically um, it will tell you where to turn, when to turn just by the taptic feedback without having to pull out your phone and get the directions, which I don't like doing when I'm driving. Uh, another kind of handy. Yeah, that's so much safer. Yeah, it is. It's a lot safer. Another kind of handy utility type thing is the camera, which the watch doesn't actually have a camera built into it, but it has a camera app, which can actually function as a remote timer for the camera on your iPhone. So I haven't had a chance to use this yet, but I can think of several situations where this could be really handy. Uh, my, my dad likes to always take family pictures every time we get together. And he usually brings his big like professional Canon 5D He's got a tripod, and then just as everybody's about ready to go, it's like, oh, wait, quick, we need a picture. So he's got to pull out all his camera stuff, get everybody set up. You know, all the kids are sitting there on the couch waiting for their picture to be taken. By the time the camera's set up, they're all fussy and crabby and just want to leave. So with the phone, you could get something like a really simple iPod uh, or iPhone uh, tripod, clamp it in there, and then use the uh the camera app on your watch as a remote timer so okay everybody ready here we go three two one like it's counting down after you press it but you can actually trigger the the camera shutter from your watch so i think that's pretty cool um that's it for native apps we do third-party apps now yeah yeah so we talked about omnifocus and overcast if you have anything extra to talk about them um but there's there's a few more on there there's one on there that i find particularly funny. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> yeah, why don't you dive in? <laughs> All right. 
Um, yeah, OmniFocus is a pretty cool app because it's really easy to to see the tasks that you have to do and mark them off as completed. You're not doing your weekly review from your watch, but like I said, that's not really the point. Uh, Overcast is great because, like I said, you can kind of shuffle what's coming up next. Um, workflow is cool because you can actually run workflows from your phone right off of your watch. And that app is pretty crazy with what it can do. Uh, let's actually put a link to that workflow article that we have on Asian efficiency in the show notes so people can kind of get an idea for how workflow works. But basically, you can trigger all sorts of crazy stuff, and the ability to do it from your wrist is pretty cool. Uh, Fantastical is my calendar app of choice, and so that app is is pretty nice. Um, the Glance is really nice. The only thing I don't like about it that the, the advantage of the, the built-in calendar app has is that you can't use Fantastical as a complication on your watch face. In the new update, they're going to supposedly have third-party uh, complications, so then that'll be nice. The one that you're probably thinking about here is the AeroPress timer. <laughs> uh, yeah. AeroPress timer, this is an app that actually, I, I don't remember if I bought it or if I downloaded it for free several years ago for iOS because I just thought it was, it was kind of funny. Basically what it is, uh, an AeroPress is kind of like a mini French press for making coffee and it's got a cult following and they actually have like AeroPress competitions every year where people come and they, they brew using these different recipes and they have this whole big competition where they have like world champions every year. The AeroPress timer app basically took some of those recipes. It was developed by this guy. He put them in one app and it tells you like you need to steep it for this long. And then it tells you that you need to, you know, you need to plunge and whatever. Like it'll walk you through all the different steps. But the AeroPress company actually noticed the app and bought it or sponsored it, whatever. So that's why it's now the official AeroPress timer app. And literally like that's great. <laughs> literally like the week after the watch came out, they had an Apple Watch app. I was like, what? And most of the apps that automatically get installed on my uh my watch I delete, but this one is, is kind of cool because you literally set your timer and then on your watch, it's walking you through all the different steps. It's in my opinion, a really good application of what the watch does well. And it doesn't like a lot of other apps try to do a bunch of things that it's just like, there's no reason for you to do that. If you're going to do that, do it on your phone or do it on your computer. So that one is pretty cool. And then the last one on here is one password. With, with that one, I can see more recipes. I, I can see in the future because third party applications are, they're they're probably all the developers are trying to figure everything out right now and and haven't quite uh, um, quite gotten everything squared away. But I can see in the future if you want to have a cooking uh, recipe, you can have recipe apps that uh, that can just show up. It's like all right, start boiling your water now. Okay, I can do that. You know, just somebody who's complete mess in the kitchen can learn how to cook well through uh, through maybe that type of oh buzz buzz. What does that mean? I oh okay, got it. Drain the water. All right. Okay. Good. Doing this, doing that. That's that's fun. A, a minute ago, when you talked about Fantastical, you used a word I didn't quite know. The complications. Yeah. What's that mean? Uh, so basically, with sounds complicated. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> uh, but basically, complications are these small areas on the watch faces where you can put little pieces of information that you want to appear there. So, for example, if you see a screenshot of an Apple Watch face, and maybe I can put mine in the the show notes here. You'll see in the upper left corner are my rings from my fitness app, but I could change that. I could put the temperature there or I could put the time in another time zone there. I could put my next calendar event there. So for example, 
it's uh, almost 12 p.m. Central Time while we're doing while we're recording this. Uh, if I had another meeting at 2 p.m., I could see just in the upper left-hand corner then 2 p.m. And so those are complications. You can actually choose what information goes in those little holes, basically, in the uh, watch interface. But right now, you can only put Apple apps in those complication areas. But the next update, they've already said oh, okay. Okay. that they were going to support this. But you know, we'll, we'll see how it actually pans out. That third-party applications like Fantastical, I could use that instead of the built-in calendar app in one of those complication areas, meaning I wouldn't have to launch the app and I also wouldn't have to pull up the glance because it would be right there on my watch screen. Got it. And your last best one, which I could see being very useful as well, is? Yeah, that was uh, 1Password. And when I first heard about this, uh, I was like, really, 1Password? Why would you want access to all your passwords on your watch? You're not going to be able to do anything with them. But then they used a couple of examples, and one of the examples they used was like a locker combination, which makes a lot of sense. So basically what it does is it doesn't sync over all of your passwords. You pick and choose specific ones that you want to show up on your watch. Nice. All right, so overall review, do you you like it? Are you happy with it? Do you think it's making you more productive and maybe a little bit healthier or, eh, you know, take it or leave it? (laughs) Uh, I absolutely love it. It's definitely two thumbs up from me. There's a couple areas where it falls short. I mentioned no sleep tracking. Um, Like I said, though, that really hasn't been a huge deal for me. Uh, Right now, you can't run native apps on it. It's basically an accessory for your iPhone. All the apps are running from your phone, so it can be a little bit slow sometimes. There's no GPS built into it, so I do have to take my phone when I go running. Uh, My solution for that was to buy a running belt, which is kind of like a flat fanny pack, (laughs) Um, but it's really uh, indiscreet. You know, you can't even tell that you're wearing it. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then, like I said, there's no third party complications. If if they addressed a few of those things, I think it would be I, I wouldn't hesitate to recommend it to anybody. Great. Well, we'll make sure we put all those things in the show notes, especially your fanny pack. <laughs> and if you want to find those, you can go to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 51 or theproductivityshow forward slash Apple Watch. And if you want to connect with us, we're at Asian Efficiency on the Twitter. Also, you can email us, podcast at asianefficiency.com. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave an iTunes review. We'll talk about everything uh, productivity and and. That includes amazing new technology like uh, like Apple Watches. So we appreciate all the, the feedback and, and positive reviews. So thanks. And I'll talk to you later, Mike. All right. Thanks, Zach. Uh, so if people out there listening would like to dive in deeper and see all the links that we put in there, including the one for Mike's fanny pack, <laughs> uh, they can all be found in theproductivityshow.com forward slash 52 or theproductivityshow.com forward slash Apple Watch. And if you want to connect with us, we're at Asian Efficiency on Twitter, podcast at AsianEfficiency.com, or as always, we appreciate the iTunes reviews. So you can uh, click in iTunes, search for The Productivity Show, and let us know how we're doing. It really helps us out. Talk to you next week.